morning. Welcome to another episode of Out From The Cube. It is Thursday, getting a later start today uh, for a variety of reasons, but one being um, I didn't have any guests lined up. We had some scheduling conflicts. Uh, I'm with a client, uh, so that's taking a number of uh, hours out of my day. And also because I recorded one earlier and uh, got bounced out of the meeting, which uh, stopped the recording. So those are things that happen uh, with... Uh, kind of being remote and doing some things and uh, trying to get a podcast out the door. So unfortunately, we don't have a guest for this week, um, but I wanted to be able to uh, publish or release uh, something to you. Um, and I know a number of people do uh, kind of count on this Monday, Thursday cadence. So I wanted to make sure to get something out today. Um, and here's the other thing I'm working on. I'm using my own uh, Zoom account. Zoom is what I use in terms of software to release a podcast or record a podcast. And uh, I use a different account uh, most of the time, which has unlimited time. Um, I'm using my own account this time. Uh, and my account is a trial, which means I am cut off at 40 minutes. So this will actually be no longer than a 40-minute podcast because it will bounce me out at some point. So anyway, I hope you're having a great week on this Thursday. I do appreciate, again, the support and the people that are subscribing. We are getting a, a few people that are subscribing with our YouTube channel. I'm using a software called Zoom, which allows me to record the video to this and then allows me to publish it up to YouTube. So if you're interested in looking at my uh, living room or basement on occasion, you can go to our YouTube. It is in the show notes and you can click on a link there to subscribe and to also uh, view the episodes that we have. We've had some guests on. Uh, Michael Henson and Jeff Tippett have been on, and we have those as videos uh, uh, on our YouTube channel. So again, I appreciate it. I wanted to get something out. So I'm going to try to get as much in as I can. I do know I have a tendency to talk fast. Um, but again, there are people that listen to these podcasts on their way to work or when they're working out um, or on weekends uh, as they're mowing the yard or things of that nature. So I wanted to get something out as well. I'm going to quickly uh, roll through this book and try to find exactly what I, uh, I talked about earlier today as I was um, doing a podcast this morning. One thing I do want to uh, get into that really hit me this week was I want you to make sure that you do go back and listen to the Jeff Tippett interview that I had last week at this time, simply because he uh, really impacted me on having a compelling why. Um, being compelled to take action, being compelled to do something great, being compelled to change your life and the life of somebody else, and more so about taking action on that why. Um, again, uh, somebody sent this to me this morning and I wrote it down. Um, the only gap that matters is the one between knowledge and action. That was sent to me early this morning um, by somebody at our company, Polaris Solutions, and it resonated with me. And I ended up writing it down. And I really reflected on that this morning as I got my day going. But this, this gap, uh, this uh, chasm between knowledge and being compelled and having information and then acting upon that you know, that being compelled, that, uh, that knowledge or that information and choosing to make a decision to move you forward and that action. For some of you, for the most successful people, for the people that are crushing it every week, um, that gap is narrow. And I'm not there yet. I'm not suggesting by any stretch with the, this podcast, if you've listened to it, this is a journey for me. This is me taking steps to better my life, to better my community, to better my family, to better my company, to better my clients, and to better the people I'm surrounded by. Those are my uh, 
those are the gaps that I have. And uh, my, uh, how I choose to kind of react and move forward is every day to just try to figure out how I can take more massive action, as Tony Robbins says, is to take massive action every day on the things, on knowledge, on the things that you may have now that uh, better equip you to make decisions, but also being compelled to make those decisions and move forward uh, and, and to just better yourself, your company, your client, your community, your family, whatever it might be. But the only gap that matters is that one between knowledge and action that resonated with me this morning. So again, if we're writing things down and taking notes, I'm holding up for my YouTube audience. I am holding up my weekly notes. I do have some things highlighted I want to talk about today. Uh, but the thing that, uh, again, I am a, in my heart, in my bones, I am a coach. Um, I have, uh, been a coach most of my life and still consider even though I am writing code and involved in technology and uh, but I do consider myself a coach uh, at my core and so but coaches like phrases coaches like um, you know words and phrases and things that kind of can and inspire and motivate and mindset and and kind of set this mind shift on strategies to get things done and so I really liked that phrase today or that quote that the only gap that matters is the one between knowledge and action. I think most of us that listen to this are those people that maybe are slow to action, um, are hesitant to action. And I think we are trying to be people that are not, not necessarily quicker to action all the time, um, but action is something that is a byproduct of our knowledge, of our decision-making, of our investigating decisions and investigating the outcomes. Um, we can't always be the ones that are immediately compelled to, and then immediately take action, but being compelled to do great things might lead us to action of investigating, of figuring out what is best, uh, what strategies to take, what, um, what are the next steps, um, instead of just sitting there and not not being compelled to take those actions, if that makes sense. Um, kind of all over the place with some of that, but I did say in my earlier recording this morning, um, you know that it, that there is such a uh, you know there's a, such a hesitancy on my part to take action, and what it is is this, and the word I used this morning was, I am one to take action when it is convenient for me. So the word I was using was convenience. And I need to get out of the world of being, taking action, being compelled to do great things, having the knowledge to do great things, having the resources to do great things, having the community around me to do great things, having the team around me to do great things, having the, the company I work for surrounding me to do great things. Never taking action because it's not convenient or being reluctant to take action because it's not convenient or never taking action because it's not convenient. So I am a person that still lives in that world of convenience and doing things when it's convenient when my hope would be is that I have all those pieces in place, the team, the client, the company, the community, the family. The, the uh, you know, the friends, the resources, the money, whatever it might be, I have those in place. But I still only move when it's convenient to me, which, which keeps me in my cubicle, 
So I thought that was great. I appreciate that that was sent to me today because it is something I'm going to consider and think about that the only gap that matters is the one between knowledge and action. I am gonna go to a book. I'm holding this up for the YouTube audience. This book is um, a book that I've, I, I started really getting into. I stopped recently because of some other commitments and some other priorities. I have jumped right back into this book. It's called The Way of the Seal. It is written by Mark Devine. It is a, it is a great read. I know I use the phrase in my podcast, this phrase of um, life-changing life-changing conversations, life-changing people, life-changing books, life-changing podcasts. Um, this, and I, maybe I overuse that a little bit, but this is really to me a, it could be, it is a life-changing book to me. Uh, there's too much in this book for it not to be. It's too much for me not to consider. Uh, and I've asked that for people that listen to the podcast. You can't take everything. You can't take this whole book and implement everything. But what you can do is consider everything and take out pieces and try to implement small pieces into your life. I hope that is how you approach the podcast or other things that you read or conversations you have or other podcasts that you listen to. I hope that you would just take things and consider all things, um, but you can only implement a few things. But I, I want to get into this real quick. I'm going to read a paragraph that struck me. I'm 100, 200, 100, 100 120 pages into this book. Um, here on page 40, I, I underline a lot. I take a lot of notes. I write in the margins and headers and footers of a lot of books uh, and this book in particular. But what he said here is important. Uh, Mark Devine, my first day of SEAL training found me in a two-hour beach beatdown session. So listen, my first day of SEAL training. So again, if you know me and if you follow the podcast, I'm one, I'm I'm super motivated by and inspired by leadership, leadership books, personal improvement books, help, you know, self-help type books, whatever it might be, mindset books. Um, I love it. I love it. This is my casual reading. I love these type of books. Um, I'm really fascinated by military history. I'm really fascinated by the Navy SEALs. Um, so Jocko Willink and, and this Mark Devine, I'm super, super fascinated by and inspired by it. Um, I wish I had the mindset of, 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 of military leadership, of people in combat, of people that are in the military, of Navy SEALs, that mindset, that mental toughness, that internal strength, that physical external strength, I don't have. I do not have that makeup, and I wish I had. Uh, that would have been um, a great life's adventure if I had had that, those skills. I, I do not. But he says, my first day of SEAL training, it found him in a two-hour beach beatdown session. So brutal, the helmets of the quitters have already started lining up. So let's just take that first sentence. My first day of SEAL training, bam. His, so this is day one. But it found him in a two-hour beach beatdown session. His first day, it found him in a two-hour beach beatdown session, but it was so brutal that the helmets of quitters have already started lining up. So, first day, beach beatdown, helmets of quitters have already lined up. So, people on the first day of this SEAL training 
helmets have already started lining up of quitters. So this is what I know about the Navy SEALs. That what my understanding is, and if you, if you know this more than me, please reach out to me. But if at any point during SEAL training, if you want out, all you have to do is walk to a bell, ring the bell, and you are out. I don't think they get after you. I don't think they yell and scream at you. I don't think they ridicule you or bully you or berate you once you ring the bell. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. My understanding is when you want out, all you do is you go to a bell, you ring the bell, everybody hears it, and you simply walk away. Right? That's my understanding. Could be wrong. But day one, two-hour beach beatdown session, and there are already lines of helmets from people that have rang the bell. Okay, so that is the first sentence on this half a paragraph that really struck me that I took note, that I wrote down, took notes on, underlined, highlighted, wrote in the notes. But the second sentence and third, and, and third sentence really struck me. Here's sentence number two. This is what Mark Devine says. But the sun was shining. We were on the beach in Coronado, California, and I was being paid to work out. Second, second sentence, third sentence. Life seemed pretty good to me. Okay, so this is, again, I'm going to read all three sentences now. My first day of SEAL training found me in a two-hour beach beatdown session so brutal that the helmets of quitters have already started lining up. But the sun was shining. We were on the beach in Coronado, California, and I was being paid to work out. Life seemed pretty good to me. So what I wrote down in my margin on that sentence, and that's the, uh, he goes into some other things. What I wrote down was perspective and creating your own reality. And that's important. And what does that have to do with business? What does that have to do with team development? What does that have to do with me getting out of my cube? It is all about perspective. It is all what you tell your mind. It is all what you feel in your heart. It is all the, the, the next step that you are going to take. So if you're in business and you're selling and you're leading a team or you have a client that's not working out or you lose a client because things may not go your way. If you are a basketball coach and you've lost your last four games by 30 points, if you're a football coach and things aren't going your way and you lose great recruits or your hiring process is not going well and nobody is coming to you, it's easy to go ring the bell. It's easy for it to be day one of SEAL training and already have lines of helmets of quitters lined up. Because I've been there. I would be that guy with a helmet on the ground. I would have been the first guy to ring the bell. And I'm just telling you my, my, uh, the things that I have to work on, the things that I, my shortcomings are, um, as opposed to the guy that is sitting there holding. Now, understand what SEAL training is. I only understand it from, from movies, books, videos and podcasts, right? Of the things, and I really get into it. I really get into it. I love it. But my understanding is these telephone pole logs that they all have to carry and that you've got to hold above your head and that you've got to hold into the, the, the surf of the beach and you're getting pounded and pounded and pounded and you have to hold it up and you can't quit or you let everybody down. I would have been the guy ringing the bell. 
this is too much for me. I can't do it. I'm not strong enough. I'm, uh, I'm going to let the team down. I can't withstand this for six, eight, nine months. Um, it's only day one and I'm two hours in, I'm ready to quit. And your mind starts telling you you're not suitable, you're not good enough, you're not powerful enough, you don't have the resources enough, you don't, you're not smart enough and intelligent enough, whatever it might be, right? Instead of, and you start painting that picture and you say, I'm going to ring the bell. As opposed to somebody that has a different mindset, a different reality, or understands the outcome better than you. And he is sitting there or she is sitting there saying, I'm on a beach in Coronado, California, and the sun is out, and they are paying me to work out. And what he goes on to say after this is, and then he says, life seems pretty good to me. In spite of any mo uh, uh, monet uh, monet monetary discomfort, momentary, sorry, in spite of any momentary discomfort, Life seems pretty good to me. So I'm going through some discomfort. Things are not going well. There's pain in this. I'm not getting clients. I'm not getting sales. I'm, my team is not functioning well. I'm losing games. It's all momentary, right? It's just discomfort for the time being, which we can't get through instead of painting a different reality. And that, that I thought that was great. Um, I thought that was a great paragraph in this book because I think it's all about perspective and we're all sitting in our cubicles and we're all leading teams and it's all about how big your why is. So I circle back to the why and how big your why is because that is important in the conversation we had last week with Jeff Tippett. If your why is big enough, Jeff Tippett's why was big enough. If you don't know Jeff's story, one, you should go back and listen to the recording that we had with Jeff last week. But I, here, 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 here are the cliff notes of part of that conversation. Jeff wanted to adopt a little girl in Haiti that was six months old. His why was big enough in doing that. So much so that he had guns to his head and machetes to his, his neck and was being told to leave and he was waiting it out. He said, essentially in his mind was, my why is so big, I am going home with that little girl. And I don't care, guns to my head, knives to my neck, my why is so big, I am not quitting. I will not quit. The question for me, and maybe it's the question for you, is to continue to work to figure out how you can make your why bigger. So there is no quit. So there is no ringing that bell. So there is no line of helmets from you, from your team, from your employees, from other people. How can we make our why bigger? Now, this is a great book. It is military driven. It is, uh, and when I hold up the book for YouTube, I'm sorry for those listening on the podcast, but the way of the seal, make your why bigger. And then he goes into this. He goes into what do you stand for? He goes into what your values are. And he goes uh, into kind of the mission to achieve those things and, and, and to achieve your why. But, and then I will go in later about talking about later, not being today, but going into de de determining and defining what you stand for. 
right? And I thought it was really, really good some of the questions that he, that he came up with on terms of what he stands for. Um, I think that's important in the business world. I think that's important in teams. You know, this why, why this is important. Why, it's, why, why we are doing this, why, uh, why this serves our vision, mission, outcomes, goals, objectives, and always as the leader painting those. He was leading himself. His why was big enough to stand on that beachhead with that surf pounding him, holding logs up while people are ringing the bell. I have heard stories about the the uh, importance of ringing the bell and what that means, what it signifies, why they want it rang. And it's really to try to get people to hear that bell and to kind of plan in their mind, it's okay to quit. Like, come, you can quit. But to let people know, hey, you're, there's people quitting. To put that in their mind so the people that do survive it, the people that don't quit, that they stay that they stay with their purpose, their why, and, and, and their outcomes, and to find out who those really mentally tough people are. Um, I would love to have a discussion with Mark Devine, Jocko Willink, and really go into more, like I love it. My first day of SEAL training found me in a two-hour beach beatdown session. So brutal, the helmets of quitters have already started lining up. But he says essentially, but for me, the sun was shining, I was on a beach in Coronado, California, and I was being paid to work out, and life seemed pretty good to me. Perspective. Perspective on tough situations, tough outcomes, tough losses, people quitting, being part of teams where people are quitting and saying, man, I know what the outcome is. I know where I will be in six months. My, I know what the purpose is of all this, and I know where I will be. I thought that was really good. Okay, so um, again, I only have 40 minutes because of the software that we're using, which is good. It gives me a hard stop. But that really resonated with me. Okay, here's something else. Gary V. I was watching this morning. Everybody knows that listens to me. I'm a big Gary V. fan. And I uh, was watching him this morning. And he said, uh, in the video I watched this morning, he was spending a day at Alabama football. Alabama football, for those that don't know, Alabama football is the top. They are number one in the nation as we speak. They won the national championship last year. I believe they've won three out of the four last national championships. Um, and he was down there speaking to the team. And he was talking about, you know, social media, leveraging social media. But he was really talking to those people about leveraging the environment and the situation that they currently find themselves in and how to take advantage of those opportunities because those opportunities they're in now will not be there in 10 or so years. But he said something that really um, struck me. Uh, a, a lot of what he does strikes me. But he said he, was sit he, he took a tour of the Alabama facilities, and I saw things that I had never seen before, and I was fascinated. I was like, man, how could you not help but win with what Alabama football has. How could you not help but win where you go in and you have a barbershop in their facilities, specifically and exclusively for Alabama football? If those guys want to roll in 
and go to a barber shop that has Alabama football and flat screens and awards and posters all over the place, and you can get a haircut whenever you want, or you go into a lounge where you can get anything you possibly want to eat, any time of day, apparently, that you can go and get pasta and hamburgers and cheeseburgers and blah, 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 all this sort of stuff, whenever you want, and it is decked out. And you roll in and you see championship rings or you roll in and you see jerseys and helmets of all the football players that are in the NFL, which most, most if not all of the football players have dreams of doing. How could you not win? Right. And so and then they're, they're on a balcony and they're overlooking the practice fields and there's four or five practice fields with the with the lawn, you know, perfectly manicured and all that. And he says. You know, I think Gary Vee made the comment, how could you not help but win here? But the person showing him around says, this is a quote from him, and I got it verbatim. He demands that his players are surrounded by the very best people and have the best resources as possible. And I wrote that down, and I was like, he is, the, he is Nick Saban. He is the leader. He is the head coach, the CEO, the president of that company. And this person says he demands that his players are surrounded by the very best people and have the best resources available to them. He demands it. So all of this, everything we have built, he demands that the people that are associated with this program, they have the very best, that they have the best people around them that they have the best resources. So what's that, again, what does that have to do with me sitting in a cubicle, writing code, developing some project? What does that have to do with me as a leader? What that, does, what that says to me is even if you aren't the best, even if you're not, now at one point Nick Saban got that job, at, he got that job because Alabama wasn't any good. He got that job because Alabama thought they could do better. So they brought in a new CEO. They brought in a new head coach, and he's sitting there, and he's going to build this sucker up. And when he goes to build this sucker up, they are not good, but as they start building and they start generating momentum and they start winning games, they start getting the best recruits, and he starts selling his vision and mission and where they will be and what he can deliver and how he can get people to, the, to achieve their visions and missions and what their goals are for their lives, which in college football is the NFL. So these people, then he starts getting them, but he's always sitting there saying, I'm going to, whoever is a part of this family, this program, this company, this sales team, whatever it is, whomever is a part of it, I will always make sure they're surrounded by the best people. And I will always make sure that they have the best resources around them to achieve what they want to achieve in their life. So that's just him being a leader. So if you're still sitting in a cubicle, but if you are a leader, if you have people under you, if you are running a company, if you are a CEO, if you are a president or whatever it might be, I would just encourage you to take that example from Nick Saban, the head coach at Alabama, and sit there and say, you know what? How can I make sure my people are always surrounded by the best? How can I put them in positions where they are meeting the best? How can I give them the opportunity to go network with the best? How can I make sure that I understand their goals, their dreams, 
their aspirations, where they want to be five, seven, 10, eight, you know, down 12 years down the road, and that I give them the resources to, to meet those dreams. That's what he's doing at Alabama. And that was said, they were just overlooking these practice fields. And, he is, and Gary V sat there and said, man, how could you not help but win? And the guy that was showing him around, he demands that his players are surrounded by the very best people and that they have the best resources as possible. And that struck me. And I hope you take something away with that. You go back with your teams and say, how can we provide more, do more, give more to let those people achieve their dreams, their goals, their professional ambitions? Not about you. I didn't take this and that comment as saying, we need to do this so we can win more games. We need to do this so my record is better. We need to do this so I get a raise. We need to do this so we get more clients. I didn't take it that way at all. I took what he said as, what can we do to provide more for the people that are part of this program? This is all really nice, but let's surround them by the best people we can. Let's give them the best resources we can so they can reach their dreams. And so I ask yourself those questions. I mean, I thought it was really profound. As you walk around, as they walked around Alabama football, find the video. And always have the, le- this is, again, I say a lot of things, not to you in particular. I hope you find value out of this, and, and I, people are. I look at this as, as talking to me and making sure that I, but I, make sure you have when you watch certain things, or if you track that video down. Go track the Gary V. Alabama video down. Watch it, one, because it's impressive what Alabama football has. But understand this. Alabama football at one point didn't have that. They just continued to do – they built a culture. They built a team. They built a standard way of doing things, which generated success. They were able to attract more people, better, more talented people. And because of that, they won more. And now it's momentum, and now it's just a machine. Is your company a machine? Is your sales team a, is your team a machine? It's going to take a while to build it up, to build that momentum up. But then you start having this success and, you know, the, and making sure you have these things that continue to attract the, uh, the resources and the people and the employees and the, the clients and the, whatever you would need, right? But as they walked around this facility, one, but always have that lens of trying to identify leadership. Always have that lens of trying to identify team building, how to reach people, how to communicate with people, how to spread your mission, how to spread your values. Always watch those things or your books that you read or whatever it might be so you can try to identify those things. Because this, this is what I did. I'm watching that video this morning, early. And they walk across, they walk, they're walking in a hallway and there's this sign that says no excuses, like big sign, not a little sign or something, but it says no excuses. And that's all it says. And it caught Gary V as well, because Gary V is really into this no excuse, no blame, no complaining game, which, which I am with the teams that we work on. No excuses. But then he sits down with the strength and conditioning coach at Alabama And he sits there and first thing out of his mouth, 
he's not in awe. He's not enamored or any of this sort of stuff, or he's not sitting there just trying to connect with the guy. But the first thing that resonates in Gary V's mind is really about teams and business and leadership and, and developing people. And he sits there and he says to him, boy, that sign out there, that no excuses sign, that's big time. And this is exactly what he says. No excuses. You live like that, you and everything changes. He says, no, and I didn't get it perfect, but this is what he said. No excuses. You live like that and everything changes. And he just starts thinking about that phrase, that saying, and how, why it's up there, and it resonates with him. And it, and it really resonated with me. No excuses. No excuses. So that is owning everything, owning your outcomes, owning why your goals aren't being, you know, achieved. You know, it's not some other circumstance. It's not somebody else. It is owning everything that happens. And this is what Gary Vee said. You embrace accountability and it's game over. And he says that in this room. Um, and I thought it was really good. No excuses. You live that and everything in your life changes, and you embrace accountability to yourself, to the people around you, your team, and it's game over. Alabama, think, think about this, and I'm sorry that it's uh, sometimes the podcast is so sport-oriented, but there is so many great business team, leadership, CEO, business executive lessons in sports. There is. You're Alabama football. Okay, and this is what I'm thinking and contemplating right now. If you're Alabama football and you get the best players, which means every year 15 to 20 of the best high school football players come to your program and you get your pick of them every year, you get. Imagine if you're a sales team and every year you get the best players, the best salespeople, the most engaging. They close every deal. Every single deal, every day, they're driving your business, and every year you get those. You get whom, if somebody leaves or something happens, you just got to put it out there. Hey, we need one guy. You don't even have to put it on any sort of website or anything. You just got a stack of resumes every year of, hey, we want this guy. We want this guy. Pick up the phone, call him. Hey, let's have an interview. Boom, done. Week later, they're working for you. That's how it works at Alabama. Imagine if you always had that, and imagine if all those people that work for you were accountable to one another. Time out. What if all those people wanted to be great, wanted to always sell, wanted to always, you know, do what's best for the program? There was a guy that had a shirt on that said, you know, something about believing in the brand or representing the brand or working for the brand, the brand being Alabama football. What is your, what if, what if everybody had that mindset? Everything I do is for the brand. The brand being Alabama football, the brand being Polaris Solutions, where the company where I work. What if everybody's mindset was bettering the brand? every day. And because of that, we were accountable to one another. And because of that, we never made excuses when things didn't go right. What if Alabama, you know why Alabama does that? You know why it's up on a wall? And you know why they win nationally? Because they live it. But because they do those things, 
It's probably one of many things they do. But because of that value, that thought of no excuses, they happen to win three out of the four last national championships. Because they win all those national championships, money comes in, a lot of money. And because a lot of money comes in, they're able to build whatever they want on that campus. And because they're able to build whatever they want on that campus in terms of barbershops and dining halls exclusive and weight rooms and four or five practice facilities and because they have no weeds on the lawn, they're able to get the best people every year. And now it's a machine. So the idea is, hey, we better make sure that the culture sustains, that the things that are of value to us, the things that work, we do every year, every year, every year, and that the machine rolls, right? So I guess the question I have for you, I guess the question I have for me, the question I have for us as a company uh, where we work is making, you know, is making sure that we don't make excuses, that we are accountable to everything that we slowly become the machine of attracting the best people. Are you doing, when Alabama started with Nick Saban, they were losing. Now they're a machine, right? Now they attract the best people. Um, you know, so I, I think, listen, I, and those are the things that were on my mind. Again, I didn't have a guest today. Um, I wanted to make sure to stay with the idea of this, uh, of the uh, kind of the sequence and the iteration uh, of, of how we do the podcast and now the video, the video cast. Um, but I wanted to make sure that we talked about it, your why being big enough. I wanted to talk about this Mark Devine and his book. So again, I'm holding it up. The Way of the Seal, um, I think is a phenomenal book. But I wanted to talk about some of this Alabama football. And I want to just go through these quotes again. He demands that his players are surrounded by the very best people and that they have the best resources as possible. I want to, he demands that his players are surrounded by the very best people and resources as possible. Uh, and I want you to really, if you're a CEO, if you're a team leader, if you are an, a C-suite executive, if you are a coach, I know that coaches, we, I, I have a buddy that listens to this podcast that's a coach up in Chicago and he's at a small college level. It doesn't matter what level you're at. It matters that you're grinding it that you're thinking about the best people, the best teams at the level you're at and getting to that level, and then always thinking about your team first. Can I surround my team with the best people possible? Can I give them the, the best resources I have available to me to make, to make them the best they can be? Can I, do I do what I can to make sure I understand exactly what the dreams of the people that are with me that they have. So I can make sure that they are surrounded by people and resources to help them reach those dreams. I think those are huge things. And, and I wasn't exactly sure. Again, I don't have bullet point list of how these podcasts go at all. Um, you know, I'm an older guy now, as you can tell with the, uh, with the gray hair on my uh, goatee here. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, if I could go back and coach again, I would always be thinking about the team. I would always be thinking about where we want to be at the end of the year, what our goals are, what's attainable, what we can try to reach, um, what's, uh, what's realistic, I guess, uh, to a certain extent, but I would continue to dream and paint those uh, visions. I would do everything I could every day to try to get to that point and paint that outcome every day. I would try to sell that vision every day to get people there. But I would also say this, 
would always want to make sure I knew what the goals were for those people that played for me or that worked for me or with me, as we said in a prior podcast, that worked with me simply because I might, I might be a basketball coach and you know what? The goals of that guy is to go to Columbia Medical School, right? You, you know what I mean? Like he may have a totally different goal than what the mission and vision of direction of my team is. That we're basketball, but you know what? I need to make sure that, hey, if that's his goal and that's really what he wants, hey, then I need to make sure that he graduates, you know, and does this really well. I need to make sure that he's connected with this group of people really well that may have a connect, whatever it might be, right? You need to know, and I would encourage you even in the professional world, you may be doing things and there might be people on your team that have different uh, goals uh, for their professional life. And maybe you should uh, make sure they're doing things to try to reach those goals, even if it's maybe even a little bit outside the scope of what you do, um, which, man, I think that's all we talk about buy-in and things like that. So listen, a little bit all over the place. Um, let me leave you with this because I have a few more minutes. And as I look down at my notes, this is uh, from the Lewis Howe show. And the guy's name was Bedros Cavillian. I messed that up. B-E-D-R-O-S is the gentleman's name that he was interviewing. He said a lot of really good things in this interview. But one thing that he said, to, said in the interview that I highlighted and underlined is you do not hire a high-performing team. You don't hire a high-performing team. You develop one. So you're, uh, for the coaches out there that are in athletics, you don't recruit a high-performing team. You go and maybe recruit high-performing players that can do certain things, have different skills, they excel at certain things, they have this great trade or whatever it might be, right? You go out and you recruit those kids and they come in and play for you. Perfect. But that's just one part of the high-performing team. You develop a high-performing team. You can go up and have a whole bunch of different people that are big time in different verticals, different silos, and can execute different objectives and different things with your teams. Professionally, I'm talking now, not, not necessarily athletically. But those teams, sales, whatever it might be, right? Finance, whatever it might be. But you've got to develop those. So I ask you this. We've, we've all said this, and maybe I said it on the other podcast, but we've all talked about the importance of our teams and our careers and our companies and what's important. And we all sit there, but I'm going to tell you right now, I think the most important thing in any company and any team is the team. That's my belief and developing that. And if you agree with that, if you're sitting there and you're a CEO, if our company, Polaris, if we're sitting around saying, you know what, the most important thing to us is the team, the people on the team, the connectedness on the team, the chemistry of the people and how they work together and how they communicate, how they problem solve, how they go out and uh, get clients and retain clients and word of mouth spreads and all that. The most important thing is the team. If we all agree with that, then my next question is how much time do you spend developing that? If you agree that it's the most important thing, then how much time do you actually spend considering it, coming up with strategies for it and uh, communicating it? and developing it. How much? If you look at a week and you sit there and say, well, not at all. I don't talk about it at all. We didn't talk about it today. I'm not doing any of that sort of stuff. I encourage you to think about it a little different. Um, so again, that's, um, I didn't have a guest this week. I wanted to get something out. I appreciate 
all your time. This is on YouTube now. So please uh, go to YouTube and I'm going to do, uh, I've watched enough YouTube videos of people to say, hey, there's a link, right? There's a red button there, probably says subscribe. Please cl click the subscribe button. I would appreciate it. Um, that's a slow burn, right? It's, it's fine because not to always be quoting Gary V, but as Gary V says, uh, long-term patience in anything we're doing to get out of the cube, to run a business, to get where we want to be. Listen, I, I get sidetracked and I bounce a little bit. Like our company, Polaris Solutions, we have huge goals and without question, we are going to achieve them. But keep this in mind. When I, when I say we have huge goals, our company, we have huge goals that have been laid out for 2024. It is 2018. We have things lined up for where we want to be in, in six years. Is that long-term patience? It is. Because, listen, I know that our company is going to achieve those things. And when we get there, it's going to be awesome. But that is a six-year of being patient, persistent. But there is this daily hustle, daily grind, daily getting after it and crushing it. Daily. Long-term patience, short-term hustle, right? So you have to understand that, that all these great things that we want to do um, as our company for even, but for you, paint that long-term strategy. It's okay, long-term. If you listened to my podcast last week about Kobe Bryant, he sat there and said, I, as a 10-year-old, Kobe Bryant said as a 10-year-old, I need to come up with a long-term strategy of where I want to be and what skills I want to have, who I want to become, and what I want to knock out. He said that in this interview. Kobe Bryant said that as an 11-year-old. And then he said, once I painted that picture, long-term patience, long-term goals, and then he sat there and said, all right, now it's time to get after it. Then he said, I set up a menu of things I needed to accomplish in three to six months increments, and I needed to isolate on those skills because I knew my long-term would be achieved. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm 45. Okay. I know where I want to be when I'm 55. Okay. But I know that's a long-term patient. So totally bounced off that with the idea of being that subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you want to watch on YouTube, if you're, if you want it that want it like that, that's a good platform. Um, it's a slow burn and that's cool with me because it's long-term patience, long-term patience but it's hustling every day as, as, as they say. So subscribe to YouTube, listen to the podcast, subscribe, share, reach out to us. Um, if there's anything, again, we can do to help you. If you want to have a conversation and people are taking us up on that, people are reaching out to me on LinkedIn. People are reaching out to us on Twitter and, uh, and through email and all that and are wanting to have conversations about teams, about motivation, about leadership, about inspiration, about business about everything we do. And if you're interested in what we do with Polaris and, and what we do and what's important to us and the value that we can deliver to your company, um, you can always reach out to us. That would be, that would be perfect. Listen, I appreciate your time. Uh, it's Thursday. I'm sorry this is running late. Uh, again, we uh, had some scheduling mishaps with some things, but we also, um, um, I'm with a client. It's the reality of some of the client work that we do and uh, what we do professionally, uh, uh, separate and apart from the podcast. So again, reach out to us, subscribe. I look forward to uh, look forward to the conversation again. Anything we can do to help you, please reach out to us. It's Thursday. Crush the rest of the week, 
and have a great week, great weekend. We'll see you here Monday morning. Take care.